Hi, this is Steve, and welcome to the very first episode of the podcast series Wounded Boys, Heroic Men. For coming to you from a very cold, wet, and windy Canberra. A big heartfelt hello to any ACT listeners, and indeed listeners across the country, and perhaps globally. I hope today is a good day, and that you're all braining well. Before we kick off the episode, I want to take a moment to advise listeners and men in particular who have been sexually abused that you may have triggers throughout this program. If this is the case, remember to be kind with yourself and take listening to this program slowly and perhaps in segments. Remember that your healing is not a sprint, no matter what anybody tells you. It's perhaps more like a marathon. So take time, as much time as you need. Also, I wanted to take this opportunity to acknowledge all the men and their families that have experienced the loss of a loved one through suicide related to male sexual abuse. It happens more often than not. My thoughts are definitely with you. But I hope that this podcast will advance the education of our community, governments, to take more action. So today on this episode, we'll be looking at exploring the myths associated with male sexual abuse and how those myths play a massive impact on male sexual abuse survivors. There have been so many unhelpful myths about sexual assault and rape of men, it's sometimes hard to see the wood for the trees. But what is absolutely clear though, is that these myths minimize and diminish the seriousness of a crime that's been committed and helps perpetrators of these crimes avoid the responsibility for their actions. But most importantly of all, these myths can have a massive effect on the way a man feels about himself following an assault or rape, which could then lead him to not seeking assistance that he needs and can influence the way that he's treated. These unhelpful myths are like a living, breathing creature that if they have enough oxygen in the community, tend to grow and become more potent. So in order to crush these myths, our society should all be actively challenging them. We can only do this as a community so that we can assist these brave heroic men who have been subjected to sexual assault or rape. There are probably too many myths about this subject that it will be difficult to address them all in this podcast. But I'm gonna list a few. Myth one, men can't be raped or sexually assaulted. Now, this is probably one of the most detrimental myths that has been circulating for quite some time. Men can and certainly are being sexually assaulted and raped. It really doesn't matter what size, strength, appearance, age, occupation, race, or sexual identity a man is, it is possible for him to be sexually assaulted or raped. It doesn't help matters if governments also help to breathe life into a myth like this. In fact, historically, according to the Queensland Criminal Code, up until 1997, the offence of rape could only be committed against a woman. Myth two, only gay men can be sexually assaulted or raped. Ah yes, another great myth. Just so we're all on the same page here, as in the first myth, any man can be raped or sexually assaulted whether he identifies as being straight, gay, bi, transgender, or fluid. 
Remember that rape is a crime of power and coercion, where the other person is powerless to stop. Myth 3. It is gay men who sexually assault other men. Okay, let's get straight to the point. Most men who sexually assault other men identify themselves as straight. The focus on questions of sexuality stops its tension being placed on manipulation, violence, coercion, or control used to perpetuate sexual abuse. Myth 4. Men cannot be sexually assaulted or raped by women. This is yet another one of those myths that does the rounds. Statistically speaking, although the majority of sexual assaults are committed by men, women do sexually assault men. A few things to remember about sexual assault. Sexual assault isn't just about the overwhelming physical force. It involves a huge amount of emotional manipulation, where a man can be emotionally coerced into a sexual act out of fear of potential repercussions of his relationship, work, or etc. Over the past few years, the number of men identified being abused by women, when they have been boys or young men, has risen. Ideas that men should always want sex with women and that as young men you should feel lucky you have sex with an older woman also makes it difficult for a man to publicly name sexual assault by a woman. Myth 5. Erection or ejaculation during sexual assault means that you really wanted to it or consented to it at least. A little bit of physiology lesson for everyone now. Erection or ejaculation are physiological responses that can be induced through manipulation and pressure on the prostate. Some people who commit sexual assault and rape are very aware of how male bodies work and how erections and ejaculations can confuse a man about the motives, them to manipulate their body and the penis to the point of erections and ejaculations. But this is the most important part. Developing an erection or ejaculation does not indicate that a man wanted or enjoyed the sexual assault, nor does it say anything about the sexual identity. For example, if a man develops an erection when a dog sits on his lap, it doesn't mean he's interested in sex with dogs. Myth 6. I asked for it. He asked for it. Sexual assault is a sexual act perpetuated without full and free consent. It doesn't matter where you go, who you choose to spend your time with, how you dress or act, it does not make you responsible for being sexually assaulted. Agreement to engage in an intimate sexual encounter does not mean you agree to anything and everything. It is within your rights to say no at any time, even whilst in the middle of penetrative sex. This myth is supported by society's tendency to question and blame the person who was assaulted, which in turn can invite self-questioning and self-blame. It is the responsibility of all persons involved in sexual contact to ensure there is full and free consent at all times. Myth 7. Most rapists are strangers. Most men know the person who assaults them in some way. Often he or she is well known to them. They may be a friend, neighbor, boss, relative, 
father, uncle, aunt, brother, sister, partner, or even ex-partner. They may be a professional, a tradesperson, such as a doctor, teacher, trainer, psychiatrist, police officer, clergy, group leader, or public servant. Myth eight, some people physically can't commit rape. A person's physical strength, sex, sexual potency, and sexual preference do not affect their ability to rape. Sexual assault can be committed through coercion and manipulation by using fingers or objects such as sticks, marker pens, bottles. Rape is not all about physical force. Young and old people do sexually assault young and old people. Myth nine, men sexually assault can't control their sexuality. People can control sexual desires if they want to, however strong they might be. No, desire gives anyone the right to violate and abuse another person. Far from being caused by the lack of control, many sexual assaults are pre-planned and involve considerable abuse of power and control. Myth 10, sexual assault and rape in gay couples does not exist. Rape in same-sex relationships does occur, just as rape happens in straight relationships. Through physical, psychological, or emotional coercion, some men are forced by their partners to engage in unwanted sexual acts. The fact that the man has been long in a long-standing relationship with his partner does not, right, does not remove his right to say no. Unfortunately, many men within the gay community are reluctant to come forward and name a sexual assault out of the understandable fear that they will not receive the appropriate care and support. This again highlights how the problem of sexual assault of men is compounded by societal homophobia. Myth 11. Male rape only happens in prisons. Rape does occur in prisons. The fact that men are subjected to rape in prison is something that was highlighted in the late 1960s and continues to occur today. A major Australian study identified about a quarter of young men will be sexually assaulted in prison. However, rape also occurs outside of prisons, in the general community, and in the armed forces, colleges, universities, in the city and regional and rural areas. In 2005 personal safety survey, more men reported being sexually assaulted after the age of 15 than ever before. Myth 12, men who have been sexually assaulted will go on to perpetrate sexual assault. The majority of men who experience sexual violence do not perpetrate abuse or assault, and they are horrified by such a suggestion, as am I. This is one of the most difficult myths of men. It can make men very reluctant to talk about their experiences of rape or sexual abuse. There is absolutely no evidence to suggest an automatic route from experiencing abuse to going to commit sexual offences. However, particular experiences, additional to sexual abuse, and models of masculinity are associated with the increased risk of some perpetrating abuse. Myth 13, men who are raped are damaged and scarred for life. Men can and do survive sexual assault, physically and emotionally, and go on to fulfill lives. 
enjoying rewarding relationships with friends, partners, or parents. Although sexual assault can have a profound impact on men, they can and do find a way through to live the kind of life they'd like. The media and many professional public publications concentrate on stories of damage, recounting horror stories of what happened and the associated problems, without providing equal time to detail how men get on with their lives. So what are the troubles with these myths? Well, it makes it harder for men to talk about the experience of sexual assault. It makes it harder for men to find support. It makes it harder for men to report an offence to the police. It makes it harder to prosecute someone who commits a sexual assault. We, as a community, can definitely help dispel these myths. So thank you for listening to the very first episode of the podcast series, Wounded Boys, Heroic Men. I will be back next week. If you have any questions, comments, concerns, please email me at steve at woundedboysheroicmen.com. That's steve at woundedboysheroicmen.com. You can also follow my Facebook page, which is woundedmenheroicboys.com. Thank you for listening.